Hey guys, this is April and this is from the heart of A. This is the podcast where we'll be keeping God first because we know he's always taking us higher and higher in him. We'll also be talking black culture, entrepreneurship, and women empowerment. Stay tuned. Welcome back to season two of From the Heart of a Podcast, you guys. And I'm so excited to start this new season with all new guests and all new topics. And it's because of you guys that makes what I do worth doing, all right? So listen, you guys, if you don't know, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And studies show that about one in eight U.S. women will develop invasive breast cancer over the course of her life. So what I wanted to do was dedicate episode one of season two to all of those who have breast cancer or those who may be breast cancer survivors, all right? So today I have a very, very special guest and she is a breast cancer survivor and advocate. And she's all the way from Portland, Oregon. So if you will allow me to introduce to you guys, Miss Janae Words. Hey, Miss Janae, how are you? I'm good, how are you? And you don't have to call me Miss Janae. You can call me Janae. This is okay. very okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, so can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from? Yeah, so as you mentioned, I actually live in Portland, but I am from Atlanta, Georgia. I lived there all okay. of my life. Um, I just moved here to Portland. It's been one year almost exactly um, for a job in marketing um, in Atlanta. Um, I worked in the marketing space um, and ended up getting a job that directed me here to Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, in Atlanta, though, um, I was big into the health and fitness world. I was a personal trainer, okay. um, a figure competitor. Um, so most people know me for that or know me okay. for working within marketing for two different brands. I work for a uh, retail side on Nike and now with Adidas. Um, and that's what brought me out here. Um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the young tender age of 30. Um, mm-hmm. and as I mentioned, took care of myself because I was a personal trainer and I actually, you know, had people pay me to help them live the best, healthiest lives that they could live. And yet I still was diagnosed with breast cancer, but it is the best thing, best, worst thing that ever happened to me. So I went right. To- right. I love that. Okay. So before we dive into the episode, Janae, it is tradition on the show to do a would you rather question with all of my guests. Okay. So my would you rather question to you is, would you rather vacation in the mountains or on the beach and why? Oh, beach. That's easy. Like (laughs) my husband will tell you, I think in in my my former life, I was a mermaid. Like I just feel like (laughs) I should always be by the water. Like I'm sad because I haven't been by any water in a long while now. Um, but yeah, the beach, like it's just so peaceful. I love the water. I love being in the sun. I'm that person yeah. that just lay out for like yeah. six hours and he's like, you're not ready to go in. Well, we just got here. No, we didn't. Right. <laughs> I love, I love the beach. That's my thing. So I'm gonna go with beach. 
I love it too. And I would say the same thing because I hate being cold. I can't yeah. stand it. So I mean, yeah, it a- just puts me in a whole nother headspace. Like I'm trying right. to figure out how to warm up. My body's hurting a little bit from being so cold. Like I just don't like that. The beach, beach. if I get too hot, I can just go on and dip in that water, cool off, and then come back out. And there you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so let's get into it. I could not imagine a doctor saying you have breast cancer. So what was it like hearing those words for the first time? Uh, um, the first time I actually heard the words was not even the first time I actually knew I had cancer. So when mm-hmm. I was, um, I found my own lump, right? Um, uh-huh. under my arm, just doing my own self checks. I had always had um, lumps prior to, I started getting these kind of lumps when I was in my early 20s. Uh-huh. And so this was another one of those lumps. So after getting all the tests done and everything like that, my aunt worked at the breast specialist that I went to to get checked. And so I signed paperwork saying that she can kind of tell me what's going on. So I wouldn't have to go to the doctor. Right. So um, I was at her house um, and which she lives three houses down from my parents. And that's where I okay. was time and so um yeah we were just chilling watching tv it was a i remember vaguely exactly what i was watching i was watching dancing with the stars chris brown was on and i don't right. even watch dancing with the stars that's <laughs> the only reason i was watching it and so that's right. i remember it so clearly and then more of my family members started to come over and mind you it's kind of late it's like nine ten o'clock at night i'm like what are y'all doing here so once everybody kind of came over i figured something was happening so no right. one said directly, you have cancer. My aunt basically was just like, um, they want you to come in for more tests. Like, you know, is this is serious or whatever. So that was the initial. And I cried for like three seconds. Not even at the thought of mm-hmm. I may have cancer. I was really into the fitness world and my competitions. And I was supposed to be going to a camp in Florida to right. train for my next show and I was like wait I got stuff to do like this right. like I can't <laughs> so yeah I, I guess you could say the first time I heard it was when I actually went to my doctor and she was like okay this is it it actually is cancer this is what we have to do and it was like again I, I'm not really a crier Right. I joke around and say that I cry like quarterly. I do one <laughs> big cry quarterly. So that right. was my one big cry. Like I cried literally for like five seconds. My dad was with me. And then I was like, okay, so what what is next? What do we do? Like, cause I got other stuff I need to be doing and it's yeah. down. So let's get to it. So mine was always a, a thought of let's get the party going so I can get back to like regular life. Right, right, right. So let me ask you this. At what stage was your diagnosis? Uh, I was stage one, aggressive stage one, like kind of moving into two. Um, Mm -hmm. I also had this lump, I have to mention, I had this lump for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. If you have a lump, do not do what I did. Do not wait. Mm -hmm. I'm going to repeat myself. If you know that something is different about your breast, no matter what it is, you know that it's different. Do not wait. Go get it checked out. So um, by the time I got there, mine was still stage one. Grateful for that. Um, But who knows if I would have waited longer where I could have been. Right, right, right. Okay, so uh, when you found out, what did your treatment look like for you? 
So it was a lot of treatment. <laughs> so, well, it seems like a lot to me, but I also know survivors and patients that even currently are like still going through things that are much, you know, deeper than mine. But for me, I had a lumpectomy, which means they just removed the lump from the space where the cancer was. They removed the lump and like any tissue around it. Mm -hmm. um, I also had, um, I guess you can count my, I had a surgery to get my port placement. My port, the port is where they actually administer the chemo. So instead of like, when you think about getting the IV into your arm, Right. doing that every single time they place surgically place a port into your body whether it's on your arm or your chest mine was on my chest so I had that surgery done so I could actually get the chemo mm -hmm. um chemo I had six rounds uh, which out of the six rounds that is basically whatever cocktail of medicines um you need for your specific cancer mine was three different medicines that I would have to take um mm -hmm. and I would take all three one week and then each week I would have to get this one individual one called Herceptin. I would have to get that one every single week. Um, so six rounds of chemo. Um, the Herceptin was for a full year. Mm -hmm. I had 33 rounds of radiation, which was every single day um, until it was done. Then I had um, hormone therapy, which is uh, a pill I take every day. So the type of um, can breast cancer I had was HER2 positive breast cancer. Okay. Because, um, it basically feeds off of hormones. So I had to take medicines to suppress my hormones because, yeah, I was still still young. I'm still young. Right. I was 30 when I was diagnosed. So, of course, my, my period was still trying to, to come because, I mean, my body was just doing what it wanted to do. So I had to take medicines to suppress that while I was going through these treatments. Mm -hmm. So hormone therapy was uh, a pill I took every day for five years, which had its own life of like different side effects where I would have to get medicines for those side effects. So it, yeah. it was a long process. Um, currently, I'm nine years um, cancer free. Thank God. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. And so what my treatments look like now, are, or I shouldn't even say treatments, what it looks like for me now is just a mammogram every year that I have mm -hmm. to go get checked and I still see my oncologist every year just and actually every six months I'm supposed to go so I can make sure everything is good okay okay got it so what was the hardest part of your treatment would you say uh, the hardest part I will probably say it's, I'm torn. That's why I'm kind of dragging my ass. Right. <laughs> when I got my lump removed, mm -hmm. um, you have a choice to get um, catheters placed in because once it's removed, your breasts are healing. So it's creating fluid, right? Mm -hmm. So I didn't get the catheter placed. I don't even remember why I didn't. I think my doctor was like, oh, you might be fine. I don't remember why. But either way, I didn't get the catheter catheters so what happened was my breasts would get so engorged like I was breastfeeding but they would right. get so swollen and tight like they were making milk but it really was just the fluid from you know my breast trying to heal and it hurt so bad like because I yep. couldn't sleep like I would have to sleep with like a pillow at least with like breastfeeding you can like you can grab your baby you can you can pump and get it out you can't right. do that with um with this and so what i would have to do when it got to the point that it was so tight that i was uncomfortable 
I would have to go to my doctor and he would take this big needle out and put it in and like basically suck all the fluid out. Like that was probably the worst. Yeah. Like that, that might be light to some people. Like I think most people think the chemo is the worst thing. Yeah. But I think for me and how I live my life, um, as far as like eating right and working out had a lot to do with how my body reacted to chemo so it didn't seem as hard for me yeah like it was rough don't get me wrong it was bad but right. it was not as bad as what I had seen other people go through got it got it got it okay so were there any programs or services that were offered to you in order to help you with your treatment yes this is why I I speak up a lot like I can't remember exactly what program I was a part of. And again, I was in Atlanta. But when I was diagnosed, I was a personal trainer and a bartender. Two jobs yeah. where they can't really tell how much money you're making. You know, right. like I basically qualified for low income program. Cause I, that was my first question after I, my doctor diagnosed me and all this. I was like, so who's going to pay for this? Like, how right. Cause I don't <laughs> have this money. Like, who? And in my mind, what I said was, I was, I was going to just go in debt. Somebody's going to fix me either way. Right. I was gonna get it done. Right. These bills might not get paid, but y'all going to fix whatever this right. is. <laughs> I'm going to die one day, but it ain't going to be from this. So, right. <laughs> so uh, my doctor was very good. Like after I mentioned, like you know, the concern, everything went so fast. He shot, shot me to this person, to this person, and I was able to qualify for a women's program. And it it basically was like I was on Medicaid, and mm -hmm. it paid for everything. Like only thing that it didn't pay for was um, because by that time I had already gotten my surgery done, and I probably, right. I probably was already about ten to fifteen thousand dollars in debt with paint what needed to be paid from what I had mm -hmm. done. Um but I know that God covers me every single day but especially through this because I told you my aunt worked at the, the breast specialist that I who did my surgery. Yeah. She did all of my work pro bono. When I say all I'm not wow. talking about my surgery but even all the way, probably up until like year four or five, I was still going there to get mammograms. Like, and right. was, like she was like, your family. Um, and I had never met this woman mm -hmm. prior to being diagnosed. So I, I, I suggest people, a lot, of, a lot of women will not go get checked in fear of not knowing how they're going to pay for it. Don't right. do that. There are programs out there. You don't know about them, but somebody in the facility where you're getting checked knows about them even if they don't know you can do your own research there are organizations <laughs> like Coleman that can direct you into the right place it's information out there so don't feel like it has to be your money that you are spending to get the treatment that you need to get rid of this disease absolutely so, there are programs out there for sure um absolutely no definitely and it's you don't even have to do the research you know you just Put it out there to your doctors, to people who you know may be able to help ask questions, but it's out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how were you able to remain so hopeful and how were you able just to remain confident that you... 
uh god absolutely period god period period like period. That's, that's honest to god truth like my faith is like strong but during that time you know my mom always said he gives you like cer certain times in your life he'll give you like unwavering faith that was one of those times like you could you could tell me the sky was gonna fall out and I'd be like, no, oh, we're gonna be fine. God got us. Like, right. I was like that nonchalant about everything. Like right. nothing worried me. I wasn't worried about how I was gonna pay for stuff. I wasn't worried that I wasn't really working full time. I was like, I'm gonna be good. Like that's I, it. That's it. Like I knew a thousand percent that I was chosen for this journey. I do not believe that God gave me cancer, but I believe that I was chosen for this journey for a reason. And I accepted that from day one. I accepted right. it and that's what I walked in. I walked in faith knowing that, you know, he was going to prepare everything that I needed. And he does to this day. And now, you know, it's funny. It, my faith wavers more now and I, and I don't even have actual cancer anymore. But then right. I was like, eh. I can do whatever. Anything is possible right now. Like, That's it. That's it. I love yeah, it. God is literally the number one that got me through. He gave me all the hope. And and that's why I like, again, to share my journey because I want to give hope to those people who don't may not know God or may not have that hope to know that it's still there. Like, it's, it's a lot to be diagnosed, you know, right. for somebody to tell you, you have cancer and then there's so much other stuff that you got to worry about, right? You asked me about finances and then right. they'll hit you with the, yeah, you got to take better care of yourself. You need to eat right. You need to work out. This is too much. It's a lot right. <laughs> at one right. time. So that's literally the only reason I got through. Absolutely. And I think you, you've already touched on it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, yeah. What message would you leave to women who may be facing or going through breast cancer? Don't give up, man. Don't give yep. up. I I know women who are who are diagnosed with breast cancer who made it through. I know right. women who are living every single day to today with breast cancer. And when if you saw them, they look like they're just really living their best life. Right. You can you can get through it. I am a firm believer that um, your mindset about what you're going through can kill you before the actual disease will kill you. Mm, say that again. Yeah, I'm a firm believer that your mindset about what you're going through can kill you before the actual disease. Like, mm -hmm. I think that is so true. Like, and so I decided that day one, after the initial shock, I was like, I'm not going to be nothing but positive. Like, you can't. Right. You gotta, even if you got some days fake it till you make it, you better yep. know that it's going to be okay. And so to those women that are going through right now, or and it doesn't even have to be breast cancer, some kind of illness, like, know that there are people, women and men, too, that look like you, that have been through what you've gone through. Every right. journey is different. But there are a lot of similarities and you can get to the other side mm -hmm. like you you really can and it's gonna go by so fast like right for me, like right this year actually this month in october will make nine years exactly for me like that's crazy for me to even think like and i right. i never even 
think about it that often that I actually had cancer until I'm having conversations like this. And I'm like, man, I really had breast cancer. Like, how right. crazy is that? Like, right. And I'm still here living my life. You That's know? It. That's, That's it. it. That's it. I love it. Okay, so my next question to you is, how can we as family and friends of those who have breast cancer or those who may be survivors, how can we do a better job supporting you guys? I love this question because I get this question all the time mm -hmm. because I am like probably one of the only people that others knew with it. Like, yeah, you know, people who are older get it. But for right. me, again, I was healthy, took care of myself. And I still got, I was 30 years old. Like, right. it really came out of nowhere. So people connected with me. And I mm -hmm. think because I'm, I've always been this open, just like I am with you. Right. Um, and people connected with me. So when they have someone else that's affected, like a friend or a family member that is diagnosed, I'm often the person that they reach out to. Right. So-and-so just got diagnosed. So one of my friends got diagnosed. Can you call her? And I'm like, it's, it's hard for me sometimes. I, it was a point in time when my journey was like, I can't. I mean, I don't even know what to say to these strangers. But right. I do know it, it naturally comes to me, you know, once I start talking to them. You know, they right. just they just want a community. They just want to feel like they're not alone. Mm -hmm. So for those people who are trying to give support, my suggestion is always to ask that person. Yeah. Ask that person because everybody's support looks different. Mm -hmm. Some people don't want anybody to know that they're, you know, they're going through this. And won't share like and that's that's fine everybody's not going to be as vocal and open as i am um but you have to respect their boundaries and what they want for their journey right but also in being a supportive friend or family member you know your friend or family member if you see that person going down a slope that looks like it's bad and negative you have to be there for them regardless if they're saying, hey, I, I don't want to talk. I don't want to be around. You know what I'm saying? Be supportive right. in that way. For me, what support looked like was treat me like you normally would. Yep. Yeah, I got cancer, but don't don't treat me like I got cancer. Nobody wants to be treated like that. And yep. that's what people do unconsciously. They don't even, right. they don't even think about what they're doing. Like, the first thing people want to do is just buy all of the breast cancer paraphernalia they can buy and give it right. to me. Like, get so cool, but I don't even want all these knick-knacky things. Like, get, if you right. give me something, give me something that I want. Like, right. <laughs> why, why are you buying me this, this hammer with the pink ribbon on it? Because it, it, it supports breast cancer awareness. Right. Like, no, this is not right. what I do. Treat me like you normally would. If you know I like flowers, buy me some flowers. If you know I like going to the movies, take me to the movies. Right. That was my thing. And my friends were really good in my family at like just treating me like normal. And I appreciate Absolutely. that. So my suggestion is always to ask your person, mm -hmm. like, how can I support you through this? Mm -hmm. I want to be there for you in whatever capacity that looks like. Let me know how that looks. And chances are you're probably going to be like, no, I'm fine. I'm going to be right. all right. And that's, you're going to have to dig deeper. And when I say dig deeper, I mean, 
listen to the conversations you would have with them moving forward. If they say, no, I'm fine, and then you still talk to them like you normally would, and that person's like, oh, man, so, you know, my, my hair is starting to fall out, and, you know, I'm thinking about cutting it, but I don't know. Offer support. Like, hey, would you like me to come over and cut it? Would you like me to make your appointment? Like, it's, uh, it's ways that you can just hear what they need. And I feel like you should do this in any relationship. Right. Relationship, not just for somebody diagnosed, but for that person who's telling you they don't need anything, mm-hmm. it's probably, chances are they need things. Like, for me, I wasn't, you know, working full time. So, I, I wasn't pressed about money, you know, bills. I was like, they're going to get paid when they're going to get paid. Right. This is really what's going to happen, you know. But um, friends, some friends of mine, like, did a fundraiser, raised money for me. out of like, And I was not even expecting that. Like, right. you know, doing things like that just to bless that person. And it may not even be financial. It could just be time. It could be, hey, I'm going to drop some meals off. I'm going to make sure I get all your meals for the week. You know, you yeah. have chemo to make sure, you know, you don't have to think about cooking or anything. It could be a million and one things that yeah. but ask that person what they want and Absolutely. come from a genuine place and just don't treat them different. They're the same person, the same right. person that you knew the day before they got diagnosed. They're the same person. Right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so my last question to you is, throughout everything that you've faced and everything that you've gone through, what are you most grateful for today? Oh, what am I most grateful for? My relationship with God. Yeah. Because I wouldn't be here without him. I wouldn't be able to get through any of the things that I've been through and the things that will come up because it's things that I have not even experienced yet that may not be the best situation. But I know for sure that he's going to be there every time. Absolutely. Every single time. So like that's the thing I'm most grateful for because everything comes from him. So Mm -hmm. if I could say if it wasn't him, it's like, oh, I'm grateful for my friends and my family. God created those people. He put those people in my life. Right. So my relationship with God is, is what I'm most grateful for. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Janae, for joining me on this episode. Is there anything else you would like to share with me or with our listeners listening to this episode? Um, no, thank you for having me. Um, I just appreciate being able to have an outlet to share my story with anybody and everybody who will listen. Right. Because even if I only help one person from your community, that's one more person that doesn't feel like they're alone in whatever they're going through. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. And um, if you don't follow me already, you can follow me on Instagram at thejanaeworks, um, J-A-N-A-E-W-E-R-T-S. Um, and I will be launching a blog um, next month, Breast Cancer okay. Awareness Month, where I will share more details, you know, about my journey, but just about my life in general. Yes, I'm nine years out, but it's still a lot of things that's still happening with me. This journey is like, until, until God decides he wants to take me, this is always a part of my life. Right. So I'll be sharing some of those things, like my health and fitness and just my lifestyle in general, just to inspire and encourage others to just, you know, keep going. Right. I love it. I love it. And thank you so much again. And I really pray you guys enjoyed this episode. I know I did. So I will see you guys on the next episode of From the Heart of a Podcast. 
I'm your host, April Harris, and as always, I'm sharing conversations from my heart to yours. I love you guys, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.